the most important thing that marketing can do in an organization is to be the voice of the buyer. And I see win-loss as a really important voice of that buyer uh, to express and bring into the organization so that the organization can understand where they have gaps, opportunities, and where they have strengths that they can double down on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blind Spots, a podcast by Double Check Research for product marketers and competitive intelligence professionals looking to get a leg up on the competition with win loss and churn analysis. And I'm your host, Jeffrey Palmer. This is episode two of season two, and our guest today is going to guide us on the next step in a win loss journey, which is laying the foundations for the win loss program. You've decided you're going to do win-loss. You've got approval to begin a program. So what's next? And who better to help answer that than our good friend Elvis Lieben of Gong, an outstanding and innovative leader working on Gong's game-changing technology. Elvis is going to help us look at why understanding the buyer is the most important role for any marketer and why identifying gaps in that knowledge and how win-loss research can fill those gaps is going to be the cornerstone of a successful program. Hello, Elvis. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeffrey. Excited to be here. Well, the first thing that I'd love to ask you, just to make sure that our listeners here have the right sort of context, perhaps if you could share with us a little bit about what you consider to be your core responsibilities in your role, that would be a great place to jump in. Sure. So I'm Elvis Lieben a senior product marketing manager of Velocity at Gong. And what Velocity means basically is everything around go-to-market. So one leg of that is uh, competitive intelligence. Uh, one leg of that is sales enablement, other go-to-market help, those kinds of things. So anything that's sort of outbound PMM uh, falls under uh, me. Very nice. Very nice. And when did you personally start working in, in win-loss and competitive intelligence? Uh, in prior positions, this was the kind of research I would do myself. So actually surveying and calling on buyers who either bought or did not buy in order to better understand. Even when you think you have a, a really good understanding, it's always good to go out and validate and check that understanding by actually going and talking to your buyer. The first tech CMO I ever worked for Des Cahill at same page. Uh, he now runs a big division at Oracle. He said that marketing should be a couple things within an organization. And sort of the most important thing that marketing can do in an organization is to be the voice of the buyer. And I see win-loss is a really important voice of that buyer uh, to express and bring into the organization so that the organization can understand where they have gaps, opportunities, and where they have strengths that they can double down on. Very cool. And thinking about Gong specifically, tell me a little bit about what was happening in the business. What, what, what happens at Gong that leads to win-loss programs being an attractive way to help them grow? Sure. For those who aren't familiar with Gong as a solution, we call ourselves a reality platform. And, and what that means is our technology is able to sit on top of your sales tech stack and extract insights from your sales interactions, which means we have really great resolution and visibility into why we win and lose because the technology is there on every call, on every email, extracting win-loss insights. But even then, it's not 
necessarily a full and complete picture of win and loss. And the way that we look at win loss is not to tell us whether or not we're winning or losing, but to help us understand why or how buyers look at Gong and why we win and why we lose. That's something that we, we don't necessarily get from the platform is looking at and validating sort of those human motivations, those human reasons why people buy. And that's where win loss fits in. It helps us understand and validate whether or not what we're seeing is accurate and also provides a unique perspective from the buyer. At Kong, are there specific areas of the business that you think of as specifically being able to improve with a win-loss program? I think that's where our approach at Gong and our approach with DoubleCheck has maybe been a little bit different than other programs. At the end of the day, I think a lot of people think of, of win-loss and they're like, we need to understand why we're winning and we need to understand why we're losing. And ultimately, we want to influence a win rate. Uh, that's sort of like the conventional thinking. Uh, the way that we think about it here at Gong is a, a little bit different because we have a pretty good understanding of when we win and when we lose. We want to kind of check our assumptions and use win-loss to answer a specific question. And that means really digging into specifics of why we win or why we lose um, versus doing like a general survey and understanding why we win and lose writ large. I'll give you an example of the last project we did. We noticed in a certain segment of our deals, there was an inflection point. Is let's say between stage two and stage three in this segment, we were seeing a really big drop off. So instead of looking at, you know, like whole deal cycles and trying to understand everything about why we win and lose, it's let's look at this specific area and get those buyers on the phone and ask, why didn't they advance through that stage, right? What are things that we can do to better understand what we can improve there? And that's sort of the difference in how we're thinking about it is we're thinking about this, not necessarily like, oh, from a, a big sales team perspective, what are the behaviors or the feature sets or things we should highlight, which I think a lot of people look for in one loss. It's, it's more directed, it's more specific. It's saying the business has noticed a certain problem. We want to know more about why that's happening. And because we go in with that intent, instead of thinking about, oh, we need to raise the whole segment win rate, it's how can we influence and get more deals from stage two to stage three? That helps us really zero in. And I think that's where our approach is probably a little different is we're not looking necessarily at, at the highest level. We're trying to get really directed and specific into the problem that we're looking to solve and informing how we address that problem with research. Very cool. Have you tried different ways to address some of those sort of really tactical pinpoint type problems other than through win-loss interviews? Definitely. We've approached it from several angles. We've looked at it from Gong data perspective. We've looked at it from the CRM perspective. We're definitely very closely aligned with stakeholders. So we have regular check-ins with the business of, hey, what are you seeing? What are the challenges? And that's where win-loss, we can identify an opportunity to fit win-loss into. Um, so for the stage conversion example, we could see from Salesforce very clearly there was a stage conversion issue. Um, we could talk to sales and get some theories around it. 
for sure. And that definitely provides really great insight. There's a lot of research you can do within your own organization to better understand. But in order to complement that or really understand whether or not our assumptions are correct, you need a third party. You need somebody to actually talk to the buyer. That's where one loss fits in. Um, I think a lot of organizations have really great data available at their fingertips, whether it's from sales operations, whether it's from talking to the front line of sales directly, you can accomplish a lot of win-loss research by doing that. And you can come up with some assumptions and some theories and how we think about win-loss and what we try to do is, is then validate and vet whether or not our view of the market based on our internal view is actually the view of the market from the external view. Got it. Very cool. And I think you mentioned earlier, you, you mentioned sort of the stakeholders that you have. Tell me a little bit more about your stakeholders. Which departments do you, do you sort of consider core stakeholders in a win-loss program? For our win-loss program, our stakeholders are basically the executive leadership team is how we think about it. And the reason we think about it that way is that we need all research to be tied to the business. And the executive leadership team, which represents operations, it represents product, it represents marketing, all of these leaders of different business divisions can benefit from understanding the voice of the customer and the voice of the market, whether it's people who bought or people who did not buy. And so that's sort of our approach to stakeholders is taking a very broad and senior approach. Got it. You mentioned the stakeholders that you have in your, in your program here. How do you go about getting them involved in the program? How do you go about understanding their needs from a win-loss program? I think the easiest way is just to ask them, right? Every executive, every leader in the business has, has something that they're concerned about. And from a research perspective, we should always be tying research to the business, not doing research and then fitting it to the business. And so that's been our approach. And one of the things that we did with double check when we first started was actually a formal survey that went out to the whole stakeholder team and asked them if we were to deliver a report in a month or two after this survey, what would you expect to get out of it? And then we went and we designed the program based on that feedback. And then as we continued the program from there, anytime we would kick off research, it would be, say, an email to the team, hi, we are going to research this question this quarter. Is this the right question? Where should we direct our research and get that feedback at that time? Interesting. So you're sort of in communication with those folks. Um, how often are you sort of communicating with, with, their, with their needs, with their goals, with the questions that they're, they're looking to understand? We keep the communication basically limited to sort of the project basis. So kickoff, what question do we want to answer with research? What do you want to learn? We get approval. We run the research. And then we follow up at the end. This is what we found. So there's not necessarily a, a really heavy handholding. Like executives don't want to be involved in every part of the process. They want answers to questions. And then we can go find the answer and come back with what we have. And then maybe there's another discussion uh, from there of what do we do about it. And thinking about sort of the, the culture that you have there, was how easy was it for you to sort of build up this program, continue this program? Specifically, I'm thinking, there were there voices who said, 
hey, we are Gong. We already have access to a lot of this information. This is perhaps overkill or, or unnecessary because we have a lot of it. Or perhaps was it the opposite where you had sort of that culture of trying to get more information, trying to get more data? Um, was it was it easy given sort of the culture that you have there, given the capabilities you already had in place to extend that perhaps or build on that with win-loss? No, it wasn't easy. I think even given the culture and the amount of data that we had, we actually had to define and be very intentional about where win-loss fit into what we were doing. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons we do it so differently at Gong. We have to justify every project and every investment that we do. Uh, So what we need to show and what we need to demonstrate is that we're answering questions that we haven't been able to answer uh, using our, our own data. Interesting. And one of the things you mentioned earlier too, you talked a little bit about tying some of the objectives to the program. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. When you think about you know, launching or, or relaunching a program for win-loss, how, how did you do that tying together of company goals and, and win-loss goals? Was it documented? Was it um, sort of explicitly written? Like here is some, on some sort of project plan that there's, we're going to go and do win-loss program. Here's the question. Here's a hypothesis. We're going to go and test it. Or was it perhaps less formal than that? It was less formal. Originally, when we kicked off the win-loss program, there was an overarching uh, company goal. And that company goal was to demonstrate how Gong was wildly different and make it wildly obvious to the market why no solution compares to our solution. And so there were a number of parts of the business that were dedicated to this goal. It's it's a top-level goal. It comes from the executive leadership team. We have to establish ourselves as the, the clear leader and that there's, there's no comparison versus the rest of the market. So when that goal came down, and I'm thinking about it from my position, go-to-market velocity, I saw an opportunity for win-loss to really help inform that goal by going in and understanding when we win, why we win. And then maybe we could take that learning back into the business and, and work it into to our talk track, our marketing, our messaging. This is why buyers buy Gong. This is why they think we're head and shoulders above everybody else in the market. So it was a nesting opportunity. And I think an opportunity from where I sat in the organization where win-loss made a lot of sense. Because as a product marketer, I often say anytime I'm working with sales, I'm just a product marketer. I'm not a salesperson. Don't believe what I have to say. Here's where what it means in the words of the buyer. Here's what the buyer had to say. Here are the reasons the market chooses Gong. It's not it's not a product marketer's opinion, right? It's it's literally the market's opinion and that's something that win-loss can help us provide. I love that. Sort of let the data speak for itself. You don't have to be opinion, you don't have to be biased because it's just here you go. Exactly. You mentioned earlier that most of your stakeholders, your stakeholders are primarily your leadership team here. But I also heard you say that they sort of have specific problems that they want to have answered. They don't necessarily want to be involved day to day. And of course, that makes sense too. How do you go about finding the right balance between keeping them informed, keeping them abreast of the program, sharing your data with them, but without sort of making them feel that they are constantly being inundated with with reports or with updates? How do you personally strike that balance? So I'm not going to say that we ever have the perfect balance. 
uh, win loss is, is an incredibly hot topic. And I'm sure, you know, the executives would like very much more detail on everything. But I think what we have done and incorporated at Gong that's been successful is boiling down all of the research into one slide. That's sort of the biggest thing. ELT is, is very busy. Uh, they're distracted. There's a lot of things going on in the business that needs their attention. Win-loss is, is one of the hundreds of programs that we're running. They're hearing data from a lot of different angles and different perspectives in the business. And what we've found in order to effectively package and communicate win-loss is, can we put it on one slide? And can we make it so clear that we just, if we only put that one slide in front of them, of course, we provide way more information and documentation for everything we do, but that one slide has to be enough. And basically on that slide, we have, what did we find in very simple language? So for instance, the, the project that we were talking about earlier, why don't things move from one stage to the next stage? We actually found five reasons in the research, but we only presented the top three, right? So simplifying, right? Like five is a lot. There were three that were really important. So we highlighted those three specifically. And we said, hey, here are these three things that we found in the research that are preventing things moving from stage to next stage. It's not just enough, though, to present the findings. And this is something that we do uh, that I think is really important to the program is next to that column of three findings, we have another column of what we're doing about it. So we take the research, we share the research among the product marketing team. Uh, we have a decent sized team here now. And we look at the themes and say, are there programs that we're working on that address these themes? Are there programs that we could start or maybe execute on to address these themes? And we put those on the slide too. So ELT gets a, we did a research. Here are the three things that we know we can do something about. Here's what we're going to do about it. And then it goes to them for approval. Do they feel that these are the right things? Do they feel that we're covering these things? And I think that really helps the communication when it comes uh, to win-loss. Great, we, we found some stuff. The next question that every executive is going to have is, well, what, what can we do about it? What can we do about it this quarter, right? Like you've told me about a bunch of problems. How are you going to fix them? And so when it comes to, to communicating and making sure that ELT is, is confident, one, it's, okay, we know what happened. Two, here's what we're going to do about it. And it's, it's all on one slide, so it's very digestible and easy to see. If I've done my job correctly with the research, I don't even need to have a meeting with ELT in order to get, go over the research or get approval or anything else. If there's something on the slide that they don't like or they have questions about, they can, they can ask in that moment. It's, it's about how are we making this easy to operationalize and taking the steps that we know that we need to take without a lot of handholding and analysis. Very cool. And so when, when you start thinking about launching a program, launching one of these particular projects uh, that you go about, how do you go about sort of briefing the organization that it's happening? There are definitely challenges. And as we think about win-loss, 
all of the, the nuts and bolts are really important to get right. But I think if you, you start off with the, the main stakeholder group, what are the questions that we haven't been able to answer about the business that we can answer with one loss research? For example, we're, we're kicking off a new project. Uh, Jeffrey and Elvis, we're going to do a win-loss analysis for Gong. I poll our leadership team, you know, hey, what, what's going on in win-loss in your deals this past quarter? What are some areas that we can go deeper on? And I'll get a bunch of recommendations, right? This is, this is sales leadership. Win-loss is something they care about very desperately, right? Because they're dealing with it every day on the front lines of the business, winning and losing versus the competition. They always want more information. So it's easy to get their opinions like, hey, this last quarter, this competitor really beat us up. We need to learn more about this competitor uh, because they're new and they've, they've never beat us up this bad before. And great, okay, that's our opportunity. We need to find out why that competitor was more competitive with us in the last quarter. So from there, yeah, we have to go through and work with, with that sales team specifically to say, okay, give, give me that list of deals, help direct me, show me where we were losing. And then that allows us to be very directed and targeted and help set that outreach list in order to go do the research. And why do you think certain people say yes to being interviewed in a win-loss program and certain people say no? Do you have any sort of thoughts, any conclusions about, about that? So I don't get emails for win-loss very often, but anytime I get one, I do take it because I want other people to take it. So I think there are people out there in the market who are technology buyers and they want to pay it forward, right? Because not only are they technology buyers, they're technology sellers. And they're like, I would wish people would take these interviews, so I'm going to take these interviews. I think there are those people but time is valuable. You know, maybe not everybody wants to spend the time on the phone and that's fine. And you can sweeten the deal. And we've done different promotions with, with double check. I've in the past around the holidays doing win loss, you know, pick, pick a charity or offer to support a charity of the, the prospects choosing. There are all kinds of ways that you can, can get more buy-in. You know, when you're setting goals for the program and you're trying to understand some of your buyers in more detail, and we talked a little bit about the competitors and what competitors are doing in order to um, make sure that you can sell effectively against them. Are there things that you've learned from the program that have enabled you to sort of understand your buyers in a bit of way about, about how they go about buying as opposed to purely sort of from a competitive point of view? Are there things about the buyer's journey that you've learned that have helped you do a better job selling to those folks? Certainly. And one of the things we found uh, with a set of research that we did with DoubleCheck in a certain segment of Gong, through the research, we found that there were two kinds of buyers. We found that there was sort of like a, a whole business kind of buyer where the product was just sort of one leg of their purchasing decision. And they were open to hearing, you know, differentiators around leadership and support and post-sale and all of these things. And we found that there were a second category of buyers who were doing very feature function, 
checklist style evaluations. And what we found from sort of the, the checklist style evaluations was that they were, were missing out on a big amount of the differentiation that Gong could offer because we invest a lot in our product. We, we have a leading product. Uh, Forrester's recognized us for that. However, right, there are a lot of solutions that will come in and say, oh, hey, we do 60% or 70% of that for a third of the price. Come evaluate us. And so what we learned from the research was, you know, not necessarily with those feature function buyers, should we go out and invest in feature function? It was an opportunity for us to better message some of the non-product differentiation in our sales cycle. Because when we were going in and we knew it was a feature function buyer, we were doing things like showing the feature matrix where we, we obviously can demonstrate significant product differences, but that wasn't doing it for that buyer alone. So we learned we needed to do something more, right? We needed to highlight some of the non-product differentiation that we were highlighting in the one deals that we weren't highlighting in, in those losses. I'd love to jump to switch gears perhaps a little bit here. You mentioned that when you your stakeholders are those sort of senior leadership folks, I think you talked a little bit about the slide that you prepare for those folks, which is which is fantastic. And I don't envy you at all in trying to synthesize the volume of information you'll get out of a series of reports down into that slide. So kudos to you for, for being able to do that. When you do get a report though, what's the what's the first thing that you do with a report? What where, where does it go? Who who sees those those individual reports? Yeah. So we tend to keep the initial early draft pretty close to the chest through a number of iterations, we've learned what ELT wants to see and what ELT wants to hear. So we take that first report, it's looked at uh, by product marketing, by uh, people closest to the project. And what we really do is work with Andre to take you know, all of the themes. In one case, I talked about it was five themes, but how do we really distill it down to its essence and make sure that we've picked over the research and really understand the story that we're telling. And we'll go through a couple of review cycles. So it'd be, it'd be myself, the head of product marketing. If it's like an upmarket segment research, that uh, PMM lead for that segment would review that. And then once, once we have a pretty good story together, the next review would be like the head of marketing. And that's usually where we get a lot of the feedback of, okay, We've identified the problems, we know what the story is, or we've identified the opportunities to work on, we know what the story is. Let's make sure we're being really prescriptive and specific in what we're going to do to address these issues if we have to, if we have to do something. Because I think a lot of the way we approach research is to validate or invalidate our understanding of the business as it is today. We're already kicking off programs and initiatives based on our understanding, the win-loss is, is this an opportunity or is an opportunity? Are we doing the right things? If we're not doing the right things, what additional things do we need to do? And that goes through that review uh, before that goes up to senior leadership. And do the reports themselves, do, do the individual sales folks to account executives, do they, do they see these reports? Are they even interested in, in seeing the reports? 
we think about that the same way as we think about what does ELT, what do the stakeholders and sponsors need from that report? So what it comes down to for a, a seller's perspective is basically one tile on a battle card that's called why we win and why we lose. So at the end of the day, right, that's what sales needs to know. They know why do we win? Why do we lose? That way they can articulate that to the buyer. Got it. And other other ways outside of perhaps the battle card that some of the win-loss results gets fed back to them? Are there other materials, other ways you do sales enablement that helps them take advantage of some of this, this information? One of the ways that we think about competitive at Gong and, and win-loss as a component of that is that it should be integrated into everything that we do. So we're not taking a, a win-loss report and sending it to the entire organization and saying, hey, you know, we did a research and this is why we win and lose. We're, we're taking that research and we're incorporating it into all of the programs and trainings that we're doing. It's not necessarily, hey, this is an extra data point. It's anytime we release uh, competitive materials, if the win-loss informs that, we'll note, right? Like, hey, this big deal that you know we put on the NASCAR slide of like people who upgraded, this is why we won that deal. Win-loss research told us that. We're not calling it out explicitly, right? But win-loss research is supporting that messaging. As we're thinking about how we describe the product on the website, when loss helps us understand things that we might want to highlight that made a difference to buyers that we think other buyers would be interested in. If we're doing this right, like if we're aligning the research to the business, these insights come to life in, in all of the messaging and all of the materials that we put forward, even if it's not explicit. How do you go about measuring the impact of your win-loss program? I think impact is really important. And as we talked about earlier in the conversation, a lot of people want to go out and run win-loss and find some stuff and train the team and then point to a higher win rate as the true impact. And while that, that story makes sense, right? We want to say, you know, hey, we, we did research, we informed the team, we're, you know, X percent more effective at the end of the day. It's not a tight story. It's not a tight package because there are a lot of things that an organization can do that impact win rate. So it's not really tightly defined or like tied to win-loss per se. And so the way that we think about measuring impact is, are people using materials that we created based on the win-loss research on their calls? And are those materials leading to a differentiated win rate for people who use the materials or who use the talk track versus those who don't. It's not necessarily measuring like the program as a whole on whether or not we win and lose more. It's about whether or not the things that we're actually doing based on those materials are leading to that impact. So instead of measuring after the fact, are we more or less competitive, being able to measure whether or not people are putting into practice the takeaways from those materials, whether it's a competitive talk track, whether it's updated messaging on a slide that we're presenting in a call. And that's one of the great things about being a product marketer at Gong or a company who uses Gong is we're, we're actually able to measure that messaging uptake and adoption and then put it against things like win rate. 
So we can say we ran a training in February, which we did. We did a training in February. We launched the talk track. Win-loss informed the components of that talk track, right? Things that, that we should highlight based on what we know wins. And then we can measure whether or not AEs are running that play. Are they using the talk track on a call? Are they using the accompanying materials? And are those associated with a higher instance of winning? So we can, we can actually tell you who's using it and whether or not they win more. That is, that is really seriously cool. You can provide them with updated messaging and then measure not just does it get used, but also how effective is it when it gets used? That is, that is mind-blowing. So one of my last questions here, if you were to go and start a win-loss program today, if you were launching a brand new win-loss program, is there anything that you would do differently today than, uh, than you might've done last time? Certainly. The way that we've been running the win-loss program and it, it's been successful and, and we've definitely seen a lot of value here at Gong is really project-based. Like we'll find a specific question and then pair the research to the answer and then make a recommendation and act based on that. Like that's been very good. What I think would be really good if I were to, to relaunch, we would still do that, but I think we would also have a more frequent drip of intelligence, right? So pairing the very intentional, very specific deep research on business questions with maybe a steady drumbeat of, hey, we do five interviews a month of, of losses just to make sure that we have a continuous stream of win-loss intel instead of having to, to make a big bang and design a project start to finish uh, every time we do an engagement. Well, my last question here, this isn't about win-loss specifically, though it could be. I'd love you to share with our listeners here, maybe an example of something that you did, something specifically that you did in your career that you think was a really fantastic decision to have made or, or project to have taken on or action to have taken. What's something that you can think of that you think made you really successful in your career? So the one thing that I think anybody should do in their career to really help them level up or get to that next level, if you have a business idea, just start the business. I, out of business school, started a business with two of my classmates. I learned more uh, starting and running that business for two years than I did in two years of business school. That's for sure. And that learning of how to run a business and to be an executive and responsible for everything uh, has informed uh, my career going forward, even when I work for other companies, not companies that I own or have started. Having that, that business owner, entrepreneur mentality of the buck stops with me, I need to do it, I have ownership of this and can do it, I think is really empowering. And a lot of people think they know what it's like to run a business, I recommend they just go out and do it. You're gonna learn so much more uh, through, through trying and failing and failing again and eventually succeeding uh, than you would doing anything else. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Really do appreciate your time. Um, anything else that you'd love to share with us before, before I let you go about your rest of your Friday and perhaps your weekend? For people who are listening to this and they're like, oh, I have questions. I wish I could reach out. Don't be shy. 
Uh, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. I'm the, the only Elvis Lieben on LinkedIn. Uh, so if you want to connect with me, if you have questions, thoughts, opportunities, please feel free to reach out. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. It's one of the things that, that I enjoy uh, is being able to give back um, to other product marketers. So if, if you need something, you know where to find me. So that wraps it up for episode two and, and what an episode it was. Gong is one of those companies that we should all be tracking. There are very few who know more than they do about what it takes to win in competitive enterprise marketplaces and they have the data to back it up. If you enjoyed listening today and want to hear more stories, more best practices from the best in the business, please think about subscribing, throw us a like, share our content on social media. Next episode, we're going to be talking to Valerie Bernaldo of Seismic about the next step in a win-loss journey. After you've laid the foundations, just that little detail of actually launching a program. Come back next time and hear about how to do that right. Thank you all for listening. My name is Jeffrey Palmer, and this is Blindspots.